live from an attic somewhere in the north, this is The Late Show with Tom Stuff. Good evening as we get ready to double jump our way into the week ahead. Tonight we're talking about the gaming industry. Does it get the focus it deserves in schools as the largest creative industry in the country? Can games be used as a learning tool or are they just one big distraction? Will hiding in bushes ever be an acceptable way to get a victory royale in Fortnite? Yes it is. Let's level up, whack a couple of cheat codes in and get ready to defeat the final boss in tonight's Late Show. Live from an attic somewhere in the north, this is The Late Show with Tom Starkey. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening. Hello, everybody out there. Uh, yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about the games industry. I'm going to kind of set my uh, set my agenda out uh, right at the beginning. Uh, the reason I chose this particular subject, because I have a fairly, uh, I'd say mild, but other people might say quite large gaming addiction. You are talking to somebody and I, I know I can't sound any more fantastic to the listeners out there but i'll let yeah uh, i'll let you into this little nugget of truth i was in the top fifteen thousand people in the world playing battlefield bad company 2 on the playstation 3. i know i know i, I it's very difficult not to get excited about that <laughs> very difficult indeed so when it comes to gaming i in my personal life am an absolutely huge huge fan but what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about gaming and education some of the questions we're going to try and think about and ruminate on and uh take a moment to press the start button and pause and think we're going to talk about uh the games industry as a positive uh for instance uh, did you know that uh, the games industry in the uk is a 7.1 billion pound industry. It's absolutely massive. We've had homegrown uh, 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 software developers, homegrown games companies like Rockstar uh, with, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Rockstar with the Grand Theft Auto series. Uh, we've got, uh, we've had Rare. This Rare was started in this country. If you remember way, way, way back, there was a wonderful game on the SNES. Yeah, this is old school, ladies and gentlemen. The snare is called Donkey Kong. Uh, Donkey Kong Country, uh, brilliant, brilliant team worked on that. Team 17 originated in this country with the classics Worms and Lemmings. So it does kind of surprise me when we don't talk about video games, especially as somebody who spent a lot of time in further education, um, don't talk about video games very much as a viable career choice. Um, so uh, if you want to join in with the conversation tonight, please do. It's great to hear from people out there. I'm going to be reading some tweets from Peter Peel that have already been, have already been uh, making contact. Um, so, uh, you know, video games, uh, video games in the classroom, very controversial. Couple of, well, I say a couple of years back. I mean, I've written about this subject before. Uh, I wrote a piece way back when about using uh, video games to engage students and how that might possibly be the daftest thing possible. There is, I don't think that there is a classroom, a lesson out there that could beat the general thrill 
of uh, getting a victory royale on Fortnite. I'm really sorry, teachers. I'm really sorry. You know, they have that saying where they say, oh, you know, um, uh, they used to say it about mobile phones. You know, if, if, if a student's not putting their mobile phone down uh, to uh, engage in your lesson, then your lesson's not, is not engaging enough. Not engaging enough? Have you played some of these games? They're, they're massively addictive. They're fantastic. They're colorful. They're fun. You can play with your friends. You can pick up a phone and start tapping away. I'm really sorry. That's, that is an inappropriate, an inappropriate comparison to make, you know? Oh, well, you know, if, if, uh, if your lesson's not engaging enough, shut up. Shut, some, a lot of these games are designed to become addictive. They're designed to increase endorphin flow. They're designed to uh, make sure that you go to the next level. You keep going, you go on. And I mean, there has been a push in education recently to to um, try to harness those kind of gamification techniques. We might talk a little bit about that, but to be honest, I'm always a little bit, uh, I've always been a bit doubtful about gamification of education. Sometimes I think education is hard. You know, it's a hard, it's, it's tough, it's a, it's a chore sometimes. You know, not everything in life is fun. Not everything in life you want to you have just one more go because, uh, you know, because you can't run underneath Bowser at the correct speed to get to the end of the level. That was, that's, that once again, uh, you can tell my age because all my gaming references are from like the, the, the late 80s, early 90s when I was in like my full... I am not leaving my bedroom until I complete this uh, phase. Um, so, yeah, I mean, gaming as a benefit, uh, definitely gaming as um, an industry that perhaps should be taken note of in schools, definitely in further education. Further education, once again, um, the, uh, the silent cousin of the silent cousin of sectors do fantastic works when it comes to courses such as game design. Um, it's one of those subjects that when it comes to what kind of skills that you need, it covers such a wide area. You have graphic design, you have programming and coding, you have um, writing, scripting, you have, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, you have considerations about accessibility, you have consideration about narrative, you have um, working as a large team or even a small team in the case of independent games and independent gaming studios. And I think it does have a lot of potential uh, in not so much engagement in the classroom. That piece that I mentioned before, it was about using Fortnite to engage students. That when it comes to Fortnite, God bless that game. I love that game so much. I really do. I'm really sorry. I, yeah, I'm 41, but I still play it. Uh, I'm, I'm getting like three, four victory royales uh, a night, <clears throat> kind of, maybe. You, you know, you'll never know really, but still. Um, but if you bring that into a classroom, I think so, in some cases, the only thing that games teach you is how to play the game. And that's it. Some of the skills, some of the skills that we find when it comes to gaming, when it, when it comes to playing games, are not necessarily transferable because the whole point of some games is to make sure you keep playing the game and that's literally it but behind the scenes behind the curtain you've got teams of artists writers programmers uh production production staff uh media staff all of these different things oh by the way ladies and gents um uh, once again because it's a sunday evening and because i've got uh i've got family downstairs 
I can't actually take any calls because I don't know how loud that will be. I know it's, I know it kind of, uh, it kind of curtails the whole interactivity thing. And I do apologize if anybody's calling in and wants to have a chat. But if you would like to join in the conversation, you're more than welcome to join in the uh, live chat on our Podbean Live app. Um, uh, I'll tweet that out. Um, you can also tweet me at T Starkey one two one two if you want to have a chat about the gaming industry and education uh speaking of tweets let's have a look and see what kind of feedback um we've got so for instance um uh, dan phillips at dan pgce sorry dan underscore pgce says uh, are you aware of two point campus launching in august you run a university much like theme hospital i i am um, i reply to dan i work at a university and that sounds like an absolute nightmare. <laughs> I can't even organize my lunch. I don't, you know, those kind of simulations, though, that they, you know, uh, simulation games, you know, for everything from uh, theme hospital to um, uh, uh, roller coaster builder, all these different games, they do have different skills, but running a university? can't even run my own household then but yeah thank you for that so two point campus launching in august ladies and gents um uh we've got david nevin here uh, at uh, david underscore nevin have a guesstimate how many english teachers have literally no about no i sorry i'll start that again it's late guys it's late i've just i've just slugged back an inordinately large cup of coffee that i will be finishing fairly soon. So sorry, David Nevin says, have a guesstimate at how many English teachers have literally no idea about the quality narratives the kids are accessing. Mention Edith Finch, Arthur Morgan, and crickets. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that I want to talk about today. Why, why, why is uh, the gaming industry seemingly in comparison to other industries in school, in secondary education, not so much in further education and uh, higher education, but it seems to be looked over. I wonder, I wonder why. I wonder is it because is it because there's a still that nerd stigma attached to gaming, video games. We have we have that kind of popular popular stereotype of the bespectacled geek playing video games on his own in his room um, and like giving up all kind of social all kind of social life and that kind of thing. Um, and that 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 was that was that kind that stereotype was massive when I was younger. Is that still the same now? Do kids still do kids still kids still get mocked for wanting to you know for being a gamer? Has has you know the advent of social media, YouTube, with its countless gaming channels and uh, countless YouTubers who have uh, made pretty very, very successful very successful um, careers out of gaming? Has that done anything to lessen the stigma? Is it still out there? Um, I know, as I say, when I was growing up playing video games, there was that kind of stereotype. But is that still the same now? Is gaming cool? Uh, not in my house, right? <laughs> not in not in my house. I spend I spend uh, a couple of evenings on Fortnite because um, because I, I basically hide in bushes and just kill the last person left, and then I win. And I've got no qualms about that. I don't care. You know, all the, the you see you see some of the uh, the bills in Fortnite. One of the mechanics of the game is that you can build structures, and you see some of these incredible builds that are made by people who play the game in almost instantaneously. 
I uh, watch my son play the game and he can he can build like anybody and it's an incredible thing to watch so when it comes to my kind of game style I'll take I'll take whatever advantage I can get and that advantage usually uh, involves me hiding in a bush and then creeping up behind somebody and then you know like shooting them in the back of the head and winning but you know wins a win you know um <laughs> but yeah the gaming industry as i said it's an absolutely massive industry it, um a 7.1 billion pound industry in the uk it has been increasing year on year um and that increase has um uh, gotten larger during the pandemic when we were all stuck indoors uh, trying to find things to do uh the um oh, excuse me the over the annual um uh, the annual uh, money, annual money. <laughs> like I said, Sunday night. Um, yeah, uh, year on year, the uh, gaming industry is bringing in more and more and more money. Um, so, does it mean that we should be looking at it in the classroom? I don't mean playing games in the classroom. I think that is counterproductive unless something is very very structured there would be no way that i would let Fortnite into my classroom um when i had a classroom uh whether i knew that Fortnite was in my classroom or not that's something to be discussed because i remember in i remember when i was an fe teacher and i was uh, teaching key skills to uh sports study students um and i remember one session where everyone was happily you know using their own uh, bring bring your own bring your own device byod using their own device to get on with their work <laughs> yeah by the end of the lesson i figured out that everybody was involved in one big game of Fortnite. uh, uh that show that show it, it wasn't my finest moment you know i should have picked up on that because they were massively engaged it's just that they weren't massively engaged with what i was doing um and there's always that there's always that desire to kind of jump on the newest thing to jump on, uh, you know, what is engaging the students? Oh, well, this video game is engaging the students. Well, let's let's utilize that video game. And that I don't think that works very well because what you're doing is you're going into a space that's not not particularly meant for education. You know, um, games are fun. Games are games are games. You know, uh, Fortnite. There's no real fit for Fortnite when it comes to education, apart from the development of the game itself. So much goes on, so many different aspects, so many different subjects could be utilized when looking at what goes on in a studio, looking at how people work together to try to create something that um, is marketable. And uh, yeah, I think, I think that's where, uh, that's where it comes, that's where it comes, uh, the, the learning experience is about opening up these different roles, thinking about what these roles are, rather than just being a passive consumer of video games, although that is absolutely fine on its own. But looking behind what is going on to create these games. Um, a little bit later on, when it comes to teacher uh, Tom's Tech Tips, uh, we'll talk about a couple of programs that allow uh, people to create games. Um, we're also going to talk about a really, really, really um, uh, wonderful institution where you can go and learn about video games as well. Uh, really, really good school trip if you're in the north, um, if you get the chance, if you're around the Sheffield area. And we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later on. Uh, but so uh, let's have a look and see what other notes. Yeah, so. Uh, 
is is this is this is this is this a purposeful looking over a particular industry because it can represent a certain amount of disruption in regards to school life? And I don't mean that kind of, uh, you know, Silicon Valley, hey, you know, positive, dis we've got to disrupt the we've got to disrupt the thing because it's not the thing that we want. So we're going to positively disrupt this and we're going to bring it. No, I mean, like, like proper disruption, like, you know, uh, you know, David in year nine is playing Call of Duty. Uh, until three o'clock in the morning and is an absolute zombie the morning after you know that kind of disruption you know the, those sports studies kids having a, a, a right old game of Fortnite while I'm trying to teach a lesson that kind of disruption not the kind of polo neck wearing you know kind of like hi hi we need to disrupt this no 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 no. I'm talking about actual real disruption that everybody talks about so yeah I mean we need to think about things like that um, are there benefits? Are there disadvantages? I uh, I love games myself, but I also recognise that they can be uh, a disruptive influence in schools. Um, but but of course, what they represent is they represent um, many many different streams, many many different skills uh, that can be beneficial for students to learn. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do. Should we go straight into Tom's tech tips today? Or shall we should we leave it for let's leave it for a little bit you know i did a nice little did a nice little segue there and it'd be terrible just to kill it on its uh kill it on its feet just by jumping in you know i do think about the structure of this show every so often uh, yeah admittedly it's a couple of minutes before the show starts but i do think about it i think about the listening experience you know um so uh yeah so uh my own experience with gaming apart from uh, um countless countless hours spent on nba jam on the super nintendo oh oh i love that game so much i was uh i love basketball anyway and then nba jam came along and then the four player adapter came along so you could have three of your mates playing the same game at the same time oh my days that caused from right arguments in between countless pieces of toast after school you know who everyone's fighting to be uh, john stockton and carl malone Actually, no, that's a lie. I was only fighting to be John Stockton and Carmelo because I, I, I actually, I, when I, you know, when you're 12 years old, you want to be uh, and you like basketball, uh, you know, I, I was, and and you and you're small. John Stockton, he was your hero. Um, so yeah, my own experience. I've been playing games ever since I was a wee lad, which was many, 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 many moons ago. Uh, from the Game Boy to the Super Nintendo, the Atari ST, the Amiga. Uh, onto the more powerful consoles that we have the current iterations of now. Um, not the PlayStation 5, because I can't get hold of one. Um, if anybody wants to donate a PlayStation 5 for me, purely for educational purposes, obviously, purely, um, please, be, you know, uh, if, if Sony are listening to this, yeah, chuck us one over. I'll, I'll, I'll do a review on it. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, gaming... Uh, is it not concentrated in schools because it it, it it represents a certain disruption? Is it not concentrated or is it not emphasized in schools because it's a fairly new industry, um, relatively, um, and there's still a certain amount of mistrust? Uh, I think we have to start becoming uh, real about the industry itself. The industry, the gaming industry in this country is huge and we have uh, a fantastic history uh, the UK has a fantastic history in games design and um, and production. Uh, worms. Anybody ever played Worms? Oh my goodness me. 
that's Team 17. That was good. That's a fantastic, fantastic game, especially when you dynamite another worm. There is, there is, there is no greater satisfaction than dynamiting another worm. You lay the dynamite, you waddle out the way extremely slowly because you know it's going to go absolutely kablamo. Ah, and then boom, the worm flies off the screen. Brilliant. But no, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to spend the rest of the session just describing some of my favorite gaming moments, although I might <laughs> I might be able to fill a couple of shows with that, to be honest. you know, Is that nerdy? Is that geeky? I hope there isn't that kind of view anymore because we have um, uh, hugely creative people working in the industry. But what I think sometimes uh, what I think sometimes scuppers um, that is the fact that there isn't very much knowledge about what goes on on a day-to-day -day basis in a gaming in a gaming uh, uh, in a gaming studio. Uh, so when it comes to things like careers advice, uh, is careers does careers advice in schools does that mean that? Uh, Perhaps we need to look a little bit further when it comes to careers advice and have a look at the industry and see if we can, you know, get people in, um, you know, send, send students into game studios for work experience and so on and so forth. I think that would be ace. Uh, if, if, if you're working in a school and you already do that, let me know. Let me know. It'd be great to see if anybody um, has organized visits to uh, game studios or organized work experience in game studios. It'd be lovely to hear what those experiences are. As I said, uh, Tom's tech tips, one of the, uh, one of the tips is for a institution that I'll talk about a little bit later on. Um, but what we'll do at this moment in time is as I, uh, talk and type at the same time. Yeah. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go for multitasking here. It could all, it could all go very wrong at this point is we're going to have a listen to the news. And when we get back, we'll do Tom's tech tips. Okay. And here we go. Or not, as the case may be, you know. This is, I mean, this is this is this is what happens when you do these. This is what happens when you multitask. Multitasking isn't necessarily multitasking; it's just split attention. So things tend to go wrong. Uh, so um, yeah, so when it comes to the gaming industry, when it comes to uh, making sure that students know not just how to play a game, because um, although I go on and on and on and on and on about the digital native thing, um, when it comes to gaming, kids pick that stuff up real quick. And you know why they pick it up really quickly? It's because it's designed to be picked up really quickly. Uh, one of the reasons that you know the digital native myth was so prevalent is because uh, parents and carers and uh, adults watched kids play video games and then pick it up just like that, just like it's nothing. But that's not that doesn't happen by luck. That's not something that, that's not something that you do just because that is a design. And that's what I'm talking about when it comes to gaming and it comes to the benefits of looking at the games industry in schools and looking at the uh, fantastically creative um, roles that there can be when it comes to gaming. So uh, I'm going to have another go at the news in a minute. 
Uh, we're not going to worry about that too much because we have a very long time on this show. We've got an hour and a half. Uh, well, we've got, oh my goodness me, have I been talking for 24 minutes already? Eesh, I, I surprise myself sometimes, I really do. So um, we'll have the news when I can figure out that particular issue. Um, so we're going to have a go and we'll go skip straight to Tom's Tech Tips. We're not going to worry about my fantastic jingle today because um, I'm not 100% sure that the music is going to be working, but we'll give it a go a bit later on when I feel when I feel <laughs> when I feel a little up to it. Um, so Tom's Tech Tips has three three tech tips to two programs today and one place, as it were. If you have students, if you are interested in getting your students into game design in particular, there are lots of options when it comes to uh, programs that help students learn basic things to help them design games. The first Tom's Tech tip, the first tip today, is going to be one that many, many educators out there know about already. Uh, it's incredibly well used, very widely used in schools and other educational institutions. And the first one is Scratch. Now, Scratch, if you don't know, is a program that allows you to partake in a simplified form of coding. Um, and uh, I'm not a coder. Here's another I tell you what, here is another, I, I, here's an, I'm going to confess my sins. As somebody who loves video games, somebody who loves technology, I can't stand coding. I, I, I hate it in whatever form it takes, if Python, it's Java. Uh, but Scratch, Scratch I can just about handle um, because it is an engaging way to introduce students into the basics of coding through a visual input, a visual user interface, as it were. Now, you don't, you don't, have to create games but it's really really good to create very very simple games or in some cases fairly elaborate games using uh using the basics of coding um the user interface is set up like puzzle pieces which is really nice so you put the things together in the right way and you can get uh something to happen on your screen whether that's uh <coughs> excuse me whether that's making an icon jump, whether that is uh, making the background move so it looks like your character is going forwards, or anything really that you can think of, you can basically do in Scratch. Um, and I know for a fact that many primary schools and secondary schools use this particular software. And one of the reasons that they use it is because it's robust, it's extremely child-friendly. And what you can sometimes get out of it can be really, really dazzling to somebody who is just beginning on a journey of making a digital product. It's not, you know, because uh, when it comes to coding, the, the actual look at actual coding itself can be quite arduous. But because Scratch makes it a fairly simple, straightforward visual medium, the end product can come about quite fast, and it can be really, really impressive. And what you have is you have students making things, you know, much like out of the digital world in reality, you know, we can go to, you know, uh, we can actually make physical things. Sometimes digitally, that kind of creation can be a little bit problematic. But with Scratch, um, it's a really, really nice, satisfying process. And it's that satisfaction that is really important because if you can make 
the process satisfying and you can make the process worthwhile and then the end product is a surprisingly good one then you're on an absolute winner winner when it comes to engagement an absolute winner so yep so for first the first tip from tom's tech tips uh today is an oldie but it is a goodie and it is scratch um i'll put the link to uh, scratch um, into the description of the download of this particular pod- podcast just in case you can't to be honest if you just google scratch and it'll be the first thing that comes up that's a uh, that's that's how popular it is um, so that's the first that's the first of tom's tech tips i'm not going to do my kind of uh, old style beatbox tom's tech tips because the music isn't working particularly well at the moment um but what we will do is uh we'll go straight to our second recommendation uh the second recommendation today is also another really really um uh, a really good tool it's a it's a lesser known game making tool but it is still fairly popular in itself in regards to making 2d uh games in particular uh, uh two-dimensional games uh very much like the old style platformers uh mario and uh others so uh yeah the next one is game maker studio 2 game maker studio 2 has a free download for personal use or for small groups um and it is it's very uh, uh, it's a little bit more advanced than scratch but once again it uses a visual interface rather than a, uh, a pure coding interface so it's a little it's a nice introduction to the concepts and in regards to uh, game maker studio 2 uh, what is a little bit different is that uh, the game maker studio 2 can make very 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 uh, professional looking games it does take a bit of work and it does take a bit of training so it's not one of those ones where you can just kind of chuck it at a student and then let them get on with it and then like, like you know and then they and then they're building sonic within a couple of hours it, there's a fairly steep learning curve but it is a fairly powerful product so that's the reason why um yeah and so if it in regards to making fairly simple 2d platform type games game maker studio 2 is a really 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 good tool it's one that um I've in, I've actually used myself uh, in uh, to, to terrible to make, to make terrible jumping games. But once again, one of the inspirations for this particular show is my son, who's very interested in uh, game design, game mechanics, and he's created some wonderful stuff. Uh, uh, one, uh, one of the one of the games that stands out for me is uh, a murderous polar bear game. Um, the polar bear goes around jumping on people and murdering them. And to be honest, if I was 12 years old, I'd be playing that. You know, that's excellent. Oh, I'll do that as well. That's absolutely brilliant. So um, along with Scratch, our uh, second tip for today is, <coughs> excuse me, is uh, Game Maker Studio 2. Give it a go. Have a look. You can use it for free. Have a look at some of the options. It's also a lot of fun. You know, it's also a lot of fun when you make something. And that's also impossible impossible sorry that's also really a real benefit um and then our last <coughs> excuse me our last uh tom's tech tip is in fact a place uh, it's a place in sheffield uh because we're talking about video games and the video games industry today um i thought i would give a shout out to the national video game museum did you know 
in this country, we have a National Video Game Museum. If you didn't, now you do. Uh, it's based in Sheffield. Um, I have uh, um, I have uh, used uh, I I actually did a bit of work for them back back in the day when I when I was in the dark side of evil consultancy. I did some educational resources for them, but I went round the museum uh, as it was. It was in Nottingham at that time. And it's just a wonderful way of drawing that curtain around, <clears throat> excuse me, drawing that curtain um, away from the mystery of video games and looking at the mechanics, looking at the people who are involved, looking at uh, what work goes on to try and create something like a video game. It also gives you a chance to play a whole load of stuff as well. Don't get me wrong, that's a big draw. You know, you know classic arcade video, classic arcade games, uh, some of the newest uh, games on the newest platforms and everything in between they do special exhibitions looking at particular uh, game dynamics um, they do talks uh, from industry experts so if there is ever <clears throat> excuse me if there's ever a um, if you're ever stuck for a trip maybe give them a look just tap in national video game museum into your browser, have a look, see if you think that it might be a nice place to visit. I thoroughly recommend it. Um, really engaging. The staff are absolutely brilliant. You know, really knowledgeable, so enthusiastic. No question is daft. You know, and, and that's uh, you know that means a lot when it's coming to a um, a new. Excuse me when it comes to looking at a new subject, it won't be new for the students, but what will be new will be being able to view everything that goes into making these games. Okay, so I... Okay, so I am just going to refresh the browser there just to see if we can get this music up and running. Let's have a look and see what we can do. Excellent, I think we're there. So I'm gonna play the, uh, I'm gonna play the news now and then uh, we'll have a little chat after the break this episode of teachers talk radio has been made possible with support from witherslack group the uk's leading provider of sen education and care they're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible.
stevewoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to Program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit stevewoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to £1,360 in bursary. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at stevewoods.co.uk. Here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chickwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at witherslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. In an exclusive report in the Evening Standard, Joe Wicks reveals plans to help schools with children suffering from mental health issues. Wicks has said he wants to be a role model to children and young adults suffering with mental health issues. Joe Wicks discussed his mental health in a recent BBC documentary, Joe Wicks Facing My Childhood. He laid bare the reality of growing up in an unstable home with a mother suffering from severe OCD, eating disorders and anxiety, and a father with depression and a heroin addiction. The documentary won praise from viewers and began a conversation which Wicks says he is keen to continue, especially with young people. He said, I think young people are suffering a lot more than we probably know, and I want to do more documentaries around mental health. He also said he wants to go to schools more and uncover things around social media, phone addiction, body dysmorphia and anxiety. Wicks said he enjoys doing school visits but wants to create a platform of resources that schools can tap into and so he can reach a wider audience. Schools in remote parts of Scotland could have school meals delivered by drone if a trial project is a success. The BBC reports on the trial in Argyll and Butte where the local council has partnered with drone specialist Skyport. The council hopes it could be a new way of giving children access to healthy school meals. The drones are currently only able to carry small loads, but they hope to expand if the trial is a success. Friday was reported as the hottest day of the year so far, and as usual, talk has turned to the impact of working in schools in hot temperatures. The Independent carries details of the advice from the Health and Safety Executive, which states that employers have a legal obligation to ensure that temperature is reasonable and that air is clean and fresh. These regulations also apply in schools. 
By law, there is no maximum temperature, but the decision to close schools can only be made by head teachers. The Oxford Human Rights Hub has said that the provision of stationery is a key component of the right to basic education in South Africa. In a legal case challenging education provision in the Eastern Cape, it found that the government's failure to provide textbooks and stationery constituted unfair discrimination because most of those affected were poor and black. This violated the rights of learners to dignity, equality and a basic education. The judgment was made in 2015, but the right to education has recently been reviewed to fully incorporate stationery as part of the basket of provisions. Schools in the Eastern Cape have suffered in 2022 because of a funding shortfall, but the High Court used the 2015 judgment to force the issue to be addressed. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week's Two Minute Tech is in response to a Twitter post from Tom HB asking what makes a good multiple choice question. I'm not here to discuss the research behind questioning, you can do that on his show, but I can give you some tech that makes a good multiple choice question. Here I celebrate the beauty of tech and all the positives that we can gain. Did you know a lot of multi choice question builders will give you data? It is down to you to decide if the data is useful. However, the data is automatically generated, so you don't have to do any marking. Data can be exported and added to a spreadsheet for quick comparison. Electronic multi-choice questions can be shared easily. They work across multiple devices and can be reused or tweaked in future activities. Individual question feedback is available on the individual or the cohort. Everyone has their favorites. Some allow live synchronous participation. Others are asynchronous and can be done at any time. Kahoot is an example of this. Well known by teachers and it gives both of these options and has a bank of pre-made questions from its large community. The quiz platform you choose will depend on the required outcome. Do you want a quick poll during a presentation? Then iSpring will embed into a PowerPoint or a link to Mentimeter will let you get live feedback. Do you want to ensure knowledge is remembered through repetition? Then create a Google or Microsoft form, call it a breakout room and set it to go back to the beginning every time a question is answered incorrectly. This will force the correct answers to be entered to complete the room. And you will be the cool teacher that's down with the kids knowing what a breakout room is. Put simply, electronic quizzes can be great if you use one that suits your topic. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022 and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. How difficult is it to be uh, somebody who's talking about technology when you've got Steve Woods coming in and having all the best ideas? Thanks, Steve. I wasn't going to do multiple choice questioning next week, you know. Oh, cheers for that, mate. Lovely. <laughs> no, really, that's great. Uh, did anybody else out there when uh, they talked about the drones, drones dropping off lunch story, anybody have like images of uh, a year six kid? basically just kind of hanging on and making a break for freedom using one of those drones you know lifts up into the air as it goes over the wall it's like a prison break movie isn't it you know oh how are we gonna how are we gonna get out of there they're bringing us drones (laughs) well you know i mean yeah that's 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 a that's a fantastic that's a fantastic use of technology there but you know you don't want Daryl hanging on to like four drones and then, you know, just taking off. 
or maybe you do. Anyway, uh, so today's subject is uh, video game industry and education. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Tom's tech tips, and now I've got my uh, uh, music working. So Tom's tech tips for this week were two programs. Uh, one of them being Scratch, the coding program where you can code games. The other being Game Maker Studio 2 that allows you to visually make um, uh, 2D platforming games. And then the third recommendation today is uh, if you get the chance, go take your kids to the National Video Game Museum in Sheffield because it's absolutely dope. Um, so, yeah, those are the... Those are the um, those are the real positives and looking at the creative industry of gaming uh, maybe uh, you know maybe kind of communicating the work that goes on and all the different roles that go on in making a video game uh, let's talk about the negatives a little bit um, we touched upon this uh, slightly well I touched upon this I say I keep saying we you know like there's anybody else here there's only me and me cat you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just sat in my attic in my cat, uh, with my cat. Um, uh, you know, she, she's doing the production tonight. Uh, she's very good. She's very good. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, the negatives when it comes to video gaming, we do have to remember that we do have many students. Um, I'm not too sure if I believe in video game addiction, but I do understand that video games by design uh, are there to try to make you stay in the game. And I'm sure lots and lots of teachers out there um, uh, bemoan uh, the fact that we have many, we, we not teacher, teachers, um, have many students that perhaps aren't at their best because they are spending an inordinate amount of time uh, playing video games. Sometimes the video games that they play are uh, desperately inappropriate for their age. You know, that can be because of a lack of knowledge when it comes to a lack of knowledge in the home when it comes to things like Peggy ratings. Or it can be um, uh, just, just a lack of insight that comes along with um, children and games. You know, uh, this, uh, this, this stuff isn't hopscotch, ladies and gents. These, these things are created by teams of people. And in some cases can be incredibly unscrupulous when it comes to the mechanics that are used. Um, one of the things that kind of stands out for me uh, recently is the, uh, the use of in-game purchasing. And, uh, you know, every so often you come across those news stories where um, a, a child has spent thousands upon thousands of pounds on loot boxes or uh, or FIFA cards and things like that. So there are inherent dangers, I believe, when it comes to gaming. Um, I'm a big, uh, I'm a, I'm a big, big, big um, uh, advocate of limiting time when it comes to gaming. Once again, guys, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to do call in tonight. But as I said, if you want to uh, contact me, sh just shove me a message on Twitter uh, at. T S T A R K E Y one two one two. Just just put it out there. I'm uh, I'm reading the text chat at the moment. Um, we had a really really good uh, a very good point there by David Nevin a little bit earlier on about the um, the quality and the depth of narratives in regards to video games. I think sometimes there's this idea uh, when people think of video games, especially people who are not necessarily 
uh, people who play video games or are involved in playing video games or deeply immersed in the world of video games that it's a very surface level form of entertainment and of course in some cases it is um, uh, not necessarily anything wrong with that but I think uh, hopefully and I'm, I'm paraphrasing David here so hopefully I've got the gist is that I, he, I think he's trying to put across that there's a lack of knowledge that some of the video games that are played have extremely uh, advanced narratives look at uh, incredibly uh, deep themes and sometimes adult themes uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, games of the past five i think it's probably about eight years old now is um uh, a game called uh, that dragon cancer and um, that was a game that was designed by somebody uh, i'm going to make sure that i've got uh, I'm gonna, yeah, that Dragon Cancer. That Dragon Cancer was a, uh, a video game designed by um, uh, a one-man team. Uh, in fact, no, it was designed by a, a husband and wife team about the experience of um, trying to help their son through uh, the treatment process of cancer. And what it did, it presented the game player with different scenarios in the form of mini games about some of the different elements that their son Josh had to go through in regards to his treatment. And it's an incredibly moving experience. It's an incredibly moving experience. Sadly, uh, Josh uh, didn't survive um, and uh, died when it came uh, to the cancer that he had. Um, and the game itself is it, it's almost like a form of uh, a form of acceptance of what happened and a way to try to communicate some of the feelings of the family during this time if you get a chance it's available on steam or the app store um, it, it's not a perfect game as a game in itself but what it does it uses the format of a game to tell a story and um, and investigate feelings and themes such as um how you know the the feelings that you have when you are um looking after somebody you know who has terminal cancer or and the love between the family and so on and so forth and i think sometimes that kind of the depth of narrative is unappreciated uh, in regards to uh video gaming um i was when i was a teacher when I was a when I was a, a young active person who could actually actually teach uh, for a full timetable, um, I was an English teacher, and uh, I do think that the the plot, narrative, um, voice acting, sometimes in certain games, are you know incredibly intricate, incredibly moving. Sometimes uh, when we talk about narrative in games. Uh, recently the last of us and the sequel the last of us uh, part two have been highly praised for a uh, a narrative that means that the player is very much invested in what is happening and invested in the characters uh, and it's not simply just you're watching something on a screen and pressing a button it goes a little bit deeper than that but then again there are other games um, that engage people in different ways as i mentioned before um i don't know about the research about gaming addiction but i have met individuals who spend many 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 
many hours playing video games, often inappropriate video games. Call of Duty, Call of Duty is just basically a violent simulator. It really is. Don't get me wrong. As an adult, it's an incredibly fun violent simulator. Uh, but it is uh, not only is it graphically violent, it also rewards um, it rewards uh, uh, extended play. Um, but also the other thing that I that worries me, I, I feel I feel like a, an old fogey when I talk about this. Um, the level of communication in game, in certain games, is uh, for want of a better word, absolutely atrocious. If you if you uh, fire up the chat, I don't recommend it. By the way, if you're playing, say, like Warzone, Call of Duty Warzone, don't listen to the chat because it it is it. It is a horrendous litany of abuse, abusive language, and just uh, you know screams and anger. And these games are designed to invoke these feelings of frustration, um, invoke these feelings. And when it comes to game communication, it's a fairly new area, you know, uh, with the internet. And you know, previously, uh, community gaming. And, commun and communication in gaming communities was a lot less sophisticated and a lot less uh, visceral, as it were. And there are certain games, uh, and the chat is toxic. We, we, we don't. Uh, I think we sometimes overuse that word when it comes to modern discourse. But if you listen to some of the conversations that go on, um, there are no filters. There is no way to um, filter out certain language there's no way to filter out certain extremities of ideas um and that when it comes to a pastime that involves children it's always going to worry me call me a prude you know don't do it to my face like because that's just like rude but call, i think that there are arguments about um a great amount of restriction in regards to uh, communications online through games and also the addictive qualities of in-game purchasing. So those are things to keep in mind. Those are things to keep in mind. However, that is one of the reasons why I think education about gaming, not letting people play games all the time. No, 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 no. Education about gaming, about the dynamics behind gaming, about some of the tricks that game makers use to try to uh, um, increase revenue, such as in-game purchasing and so on and so forth. These are things that need to be explicitly um, recognized uh, in very much the same way as media studies looks at um, uh, the breakdown of language or the breakdown of presentation, this can be done in regards to the gaming industry and games themselves. I see absolutely anything, nothing wrong with that. And given the industry is such a large one, and given that games are uh, an incredibly large Pete, 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 who's Pete? An incredibly large part of people's lives, uh, many students' lives. I think it does bear. Um, uh, an investigation, especially when it comes to school. Although I am loath to say, you know, we need to, we need to be teaching kids games in school. We absolutely, yes, we need to do it. We must be teaching, teach kids about games in school because there's always, there's always that question about, well, okay, so what are we taking out? You know, what are we taking out? I hate, I hate those conversations. Oh, you know, where it's, oh, we need to teach this thing because this thing is important to me. So therefore it must be taught. And it's like, when? 
you know what we're going to do? We're just going to like magically broaden the time that's in the school day and fit it in somewhere else. So I'm not necessarily saying we must teach games in the school, but I do think there would be a benefit of looking at things like game mechanics, the dynamics of games, the staff involved uh, when making games, uh, the different creative um, industries that go into making a successful product, and also some of the dangers around gaming. Having said that, though, um, uh, online communication in games uh, can be a lifeline for many, many students. Uh, students who uh, may suffer from social anxiety, uh, students who may be on the autistic spectrum. Um, some, some students, and uh, I've got a couple of people in mind in my previous uh, work history, um, are, they thrive online. They thrive on online communication. Uh, online communication and online communication about gaming is a, is a safe space, uh, for want of a better term. Uh, for them, so you know, although we are, although this section looks at some of the dangers when it comes to gaming, the, even within those things, it's always a mixed bag. Don't go on the game chat for Warzone unless you want twelve-year-olds screaming about uh, screaming like obscenities that I've never heard before. You know, every day is a learning experience for me, and if you want to learn about some of the newest, most affecting cusses that i've ever come across have a listen to the chat on warzone especially on um, xbox for some reason <laughs> ps playstation network seems to be a bit more genteel not by much but yeah um so yeah although communication in gaming can be problematic there's also sections of gaming where uh, you know gaming communities are hugely supportive that they offer a alternative way to communicate with people that can be a really really good fit um so yeah uh, you know once again i'm doing that thing where i'm like not is it good is it bad does it really matter I, you know, I don't think it does i think what we need to think about when it comes to education and gaming is uh that we do start doing it it's a huge industry it has many social ramifications um so let's you know can we make some time to look at it? And that's the reason why I think that places like the, um, the National Video Game Museum are um, really, really important venues because what they do is that they demystify gaming to a certain extent, yet still, uh, still carry that enthusiasm for the pastime. Um, really, you know, and, uh, and I think if we can do that for students, that can only be a benefit. But we're reaching uh, around about the hours point at the moment. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to replay the news for anybody that missed it the first time. Uh, probably uh, chuck some more coffee down me. Um, I'm playing Battlefield 2042 tonight, so you know I, I have to I have to be fairly wired um, because if unless unless I've got three coffees down me, I've I've got the reaction time of a 41 year old, and I'm up against I'm up against. 12 year olds and they're going to batter me unless I get at least a ton of caffeine down my god. So whilst I do that, uh, you have another listen to the news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. 
They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Stevewoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit stevewoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at stevewoods.co.uk. Here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chigwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at withaslackgroup.co.uk for more information. Thank you there to our wonderful sponsors. I love saying stuff like that. That's my favorite bit. I feel like a, I, I, we're sponsored here by um, apparently um, other fantastic members of the TT Radio team had to read that stuff out. And I'm like, oh, my goodness me. I want, I want to do that. I'll read it. I'll be brilliant, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, we're talking about the games industry and education. Um, I believe that there is definitely a benefit of looking a little bit deeper into the industry at school. Um, I think uh, I think it is one of those areas that has so many different streams that go into it. Um, it would, it, you know, let's list some of the skills and some of the subjects that are used in the gaming industry. So we have uh, art and graphic design. We have um, uh, writing, uh, narrative writing, uh, scripting. Uh, we have, of course, uh, coding, programming. 
Um, we have, uh, you know, digital architecture. We have uh, comms teams. Oh, oh, by the way, um, a big shout out to Tom. Thank you very much for the help when it comes to the um, music. And also, uh, uh, big boss man Tom, he says, me reading out those, <laughs> me reading out the sponsorship would make my life. Oh, believe you me, Tom. You, I, I don't think anybody would want that. <laughs> Definitely not the sponsors, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so, so many different skills. Um, but perhaps not the knowledge there to uh, communicate what actually goes on in games department uh, game uh, studios and individual and individuals within the gaming industry um <clears throat> it's become mainstream a lot more uh for the past five ten years because what we have now is we have an industry around the industry we have YouTubers commenting on every small development of popular and not so popular games. We have uh, news channels and um, publica publications that are dedicated to the area of games design. It's big, ladies and gentlemen. It's big. And I know it's games. And I know, like, you know, uh, I don't know. You think to yourself, oh, it's just people playing games. It's, it's huge. There's so much money. You know, so let's 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 open up the world to the students. Let's let you know if you can see if you can get a kid a, a work placement somewhere. Uh, you know, I would. God, can you imagine if that would have been brilliant when I was a kid? Um, uh, you know, just going to a games to a game studio for uh, for work for for work experience. That'd be excellent. I would not mind making coffee in those places. Um, so yeah. Um, an important industry it's a large industry so often or perhaps not as concentrated on as other industries in regards to careers advice in regards to looking at the paths that you can take to get into the industry but perhaps that's because it is fairly or relatively new uh, we've had a look at a couple of tools that students can use uh, to try to create their own games scratch being the og of um, that particular genre looking at coding um uh, and and of course there are students out there who love coding and who, who will run with it and it's their passion um i just I, I it just annoys me it annoys me you have to get everything right or otherwise it just goes completely off kilter um but yeah there are students who coding is a passion scratch is a wonderful place to start as a springboard onto some of the more developed coding languages uh, Game Maker Studio 2 is a wonderful place to knock up really, really professional, shiny uh, 2D platform-like games. Um, you know, I envisage maybe a project, maybe, you know, you have to, if you, if you took, now project-based learning is a uh, fairly, um, what's the word, uh, controversial? Is it controversial project-based learning uh, for educators and teachers? But a project where you can design your own game and then you have to look at all the different aspects that go towards designing a game, such as the writing, such as the game design, such as level design, such as uh, thinking about uh, user interface, thinking about adaptability and accessibility. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, ding, 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 ding. Accessibility and the use of uh, assistive technology may even be something that you might want to think about every every show ladies and gentlemen 
it's going that's going to happen every show um i was at a conference a gaming conference uh, a couple of years back and there was a whole section that was dedicated to adaptable controlling so you know large button controls um uh, eye control for certain things and looking at some of the features some of the assistive technology features in games such as being able to slow down speech such as being able to change the level of difficulty in games um, that's quite important for people who perhaps um, the underlying level of difficulty of games can be a little bit too much but these these things all these things could be considered in a project and then have a a fully working game at the end of the project who knows i mean do, do people have time to do that does it take a lot do people do that already i suspect that they do and i bet there's some really really good practice out there in regards to that kind of project um so um <coughs> excuse me so should we be looking at the gaming industry in education yes we should should we be looking at some of the uh, dangers in regards to gaming uh in the classroom uh perhaps perhaps um it's always a question of whether is that stuff is that stuff a school's job to be teaching students about or is that a parental responsibility i mean there is a rating system out there there's you know for video games um you can see if something is appropriate for the age of the person playing there's there's mechanisms out there already is it a school's job to reinforce some of those ideas possibly but that's very much dependent on the amount of knowledge that's in school already um i keep going back to this tweet because it's it, um, david nevin you've really kind of caught my uh, you've caught my brain you poor you poor person you've caught my brain about this um about teachers knowing about things the literature side of what goes on the quality narratives of what goes on in games um uh, the emotional response that games can sometimes have, such as that dragon cancer. That's a very specific example, though. Um, uh, I did talk a little bit about The Last of Us and the emotional response to the storyline of that particular game. But there's hundreds of very, very, um, very good, uh, often independent games that deal with subjects such as um, previous trauma, um, the loss of a loved one, uh, uh, how to navigate certain things in life these lessons are important and just because they may be in the form of a video game where you press a couple of buttons and you know goodness forbid that it might be quite fun um it doesn't make them any less of a valid message in my opinion everything to be honest of course it's in my opinion this is my show everything's going to be in my opinion <laughs> i've I've not, I've not had a guest on yet so everything everything is coming from me so if uh if you don't if you if you're not too sure about what i'm saying if you think mm, do not blame anybody else this is basically from my from my brain into the microphone with very little thought in between very little thought in between so yeah it's a multi-billion dollar industry um that uh, the UK has traditionally been extremely good at and has been at the forefront of. So how do we how do we communicate what goes on in the gaming industry to students? How do we? Well, I think what we do is we look at the different facets. We look at the different skills. Um, for those of you that are for those of you that are keen on the 
um, project-based learning method, I think this is a fantastic example of a multidisciplinary project. And I didn't think I'd ever say something like that because I'm not really too fond of project work as a thing um, because, uh, well, only because I've had bad experiences with project work when I was a student, you know, like project work is me doing all the work and then somebody buggering off and then taking all the credit at the end. But that is because it was a badly designed project. But if you're thinking about a multidisciplinary project in regards to bringing in English, in regards to bringing in IT, in regards to bringing in maths and art, in regards to bringing in uh, media studies, in regards to bringing in an all manner of different strands into one end result, then game design has got to be one of the things that is a perfect example of a multidisciplinary uh, project that has so many different skills uh, surrounding it. You know, you could design the game, you could design the production material, you can design the um, you can design the communications material. How do you advertise a game? You can look at the narrative, the story of the game. You can look at things like what happens if you make a particular choice. You can, and so and so forth. It's really, to be honest, it's really quite endless, some of the possibilities in regards to game design and in regards to what goes on. And I think what sometimes hampers the... Um, the idea of doing something along those lines are the negative aspects of uh, gaming, possibly the stereotypical view of what gaming involves or what people uh, who are involved in gaming are like. Um, so, you know, and there's such a wide range of games. My, my personal preference, because, you know, borderline sociopath, I like first person shooters. You know, I enjoy that kind of, you know, I enjoy pinging people in the head and um and i enjoy pinging people in the head and i enjoy it when they get mad when i ping people in the head but of course and as uh tom has uh, pointed out on the chat there's decision making games like football manager oh my goodness me how many hours of people's lives have been lost to football manager games um my brother-in-law uh played that uh football manager an iteration of football manager when he was in college for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And you think to yourself, oh dear, is this, is this a problem? Uh, no, he's a very well-rounded young chap. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's absolutely fine. He's very successful in business. I don't, do, did the game have anything to do with that? Mm, possibly not. You know, as I said at the top of the show, I'm not 100% sure that games themselves do anything but teach you and get you to carry on playing the game. However, all the work that's behind the game, all the work that's in the creation of a successful game is, is incredibly valid as a way to look at different subjects, I think. So I tell you what, you should mark your calendars. Tom Starkey, um, hater of project work, group work, project-based learning, thinks that game design would be a perfect opportunity for a multidisciplinary project based learning experience you heard it here first ladies and gentlemen oh my days ah oh, that's a that's a switcheroo you know i can never get into kind of football manager for, for starters I, I i don't like football you know <laughs> you know that's um that's a terrible admission but i'm not great i'm a more i'm more of a basketball kind of guy and that's why nba jam 
was just oh it was just brilliant when that first came out you know you could you, you know you could smash the backboard you could set the ball on fire it was much like the pe lessons that i had at school <laughs> sorry that's uh i think i'm getting into dad joke territory now it's getting it's getting to that point in the show um but i think to kind of sum up what i'm trying to say is that all, although games have, tend to have certain negative connotations in regards to game addiction, in regards to the uh, online communication, in regards to the stereotypical view of uh, gamers, as it were, they have massive scope for educational opportunities. And, um, and I don't see a reason why not, because it is a massive, massive industry in this country um i haven't got the figures to hand um but in a half remembered article that i read in in um preparation for this uh for this um podcast uh, yeah yeah i do prepare shut up yes i do um uh i think it may be the biggest uh creative industry um worldwide i think gaming overtook uh um film in regards to output or and in regards to the money bringing in um, a fair few years ago and so if that's the case and we think about how we sometimes try to direct students into film direct students into writing direct students into all these things uh, game design uh, game journalism game commentary uh, even professional gaming itself are viable uh, work streams now. Um, not that I know that firsthand because I haven't really reached that level of professional gaming. Um, as of yet, I'm still trying, you know? you know. I mean, if, if, if there is a professional, if, you know, if, if there's an esports team looking for a distinctly average Battlefield 2042 player uh, who's 41 years old and has to squint a bit to see the screen, then I'm your man, seriously, you know, sign me up, I'm there. <laughs> but it is a huge market it's a huge area um for, in people's lives and i think um it can be something that if a little bit of thought was given to perhaps promoting the promoting the um the industry in schools uh, in whatever form that may take whether it be in careers advice whether it be in project based learning uh whether it be uh just um, having a bit of knowledge about the games and so on and so forth and not necessarily just focusing on the definite negatives that there are don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not kind of like this this game evangelist and i think that you know everybody should be everybody should be playing Fortnite in class that was ridiculous that kind of thing the only thing the only game that that ever worked in my opinion and I've made some really good friends because I did uh, some research on it when I was doing education journalism, um, would be Minecraft, Minecraft Edu. Minecraft Edu was massive. It's kind of, it's not as big as it was, but it is, um, it was huge, but that was because it was thought about when it came to an educational environment. What will be beneficial to a school in regards to Minecraft? And because of the form of the game and because of all the different things that you could do, it opened up lots of scope as to um, how it could be utilized. Fortnite don't do that, you know. It's like when Fortnite became big, and it, uh, before before Fortnite, 
it was Pokemon Go. It was Pokemon Go, or was it Fortnite first? Fortnite, Pokemon Go, or Pokemon Go, Fortnite. And then it was exactly the same conversations. Oh, you know, we need to use this in the classrooms to engage kids. No, you don't. It's engaging enough as it is. Get it out of the classrooms. Don't want Fortnite in the classrooms. And then, and then again, the same conversations were had when Apex Legends became popular. Oh, how can we, how can we harness this engagement? Is, is you don't. You don't harness engagement with a first-person shooter that has in-game purchasing and is highly addictive. You don't. You don't. But what you can do is you can teach people about how it's made. Teach people about the people who make it. Teach people about the design or teach people about level design. Teach people about uh, making a product that's engaging. And also teach people about some of the uh, cheaper, nastier tricks that are also used by the gaming industry in regards to uh, possible gaming addiction and regards to um, uh, perhaps not the best practices in the world. Um, but then that is in my that's that's another bugbear of mine when it comes to um, <clears throat> when it comes to uh, commerce and education. We always have to be careful with those two things. Let's make sure that we understand that there's a difference between those two things and not kind of, you know, kind of wudge them all up in a soup of uh, terribleness because, yeah, gaming, great, lots of, lots of potential, but still an industry, you know, still an industry. I say the same about the ed tech industry. It's still an industry. It's primary uh, focus and primary reason for being in many in the vast majority of cases is to make money and so when that's the case you want to think oh, okay do we need to let this into the classroom don't think you need fortnite in the classroom don't think you need apex legends in the classroom minecraft edu yeah all right give that a go uh tt rock stars i've mentioned this before in these times tt rock stars is brilliant it's genius absolute genius that game um it takes a basic uh, skill as the times tables it turns it into a game and the students do actually learn their times tables by playing the game it's not just about playing the game it's about the skill that is learned by playing the game and that's one of the best examples of that kind of explicit learning through gaming um that i have seen in uh, in kind of current times you know tt rockstars uh, fantastic absolutely fantastic Fortnite, nah <laughs> nah no 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 you know warzone you know you know no no that's that's not that's that, that has no educational relevance apart from the fact that it's a fantastic product that was built by a range of creatives and why not teach students about that process um of course this is going on as i said before at the, at the beginning of the uh, uh, the um, show this already happens in further education like so many things in the educational sphere uh further education the uh, strong silent um cousin of uh, the, the educational sector already do this extremely well when it comes to vocational education games design and games courses across the country in colleges are up and going and going strong and i think that is great and i think um although in that case there has to be a focus on games design because vocational and it's a massive vocation at the moment i do think that there is scope when it comes to primary and secondary 
to just start looking at the industry itself the way that we may now now this is gonna i don't i'm i don't know if i'm gonna get absolutely whooped for saying this but there are elements of storytelling within games so therefore it's relevant to english there are elements of design in games so therefore it's relevant to design and technology there are elements in art of art in games so therefore it's relevant to art i am not saying that we replace art or english or design or maths or programming in it with games design because it, no no but as a springboard for learning certain things yeah why not you know why not it's relevant it's important industry wise it's important that we have people that want to get into the industry it's important that we have students realize that there is actually an industry there and i think the that knowledge is slightly um less than it should be but that's only a personal feeling i've got no research like i say like i say in the show there there's zero research in the statements that i'm making um so apologies if i'm wrong but there doesn't seem to be the knowledge about the industry in regards to education so you can point students towards this in my opinion really interesting crucial industry that we have now um you know i've had students who have thrived via games communication where in fact face-to-face -face communication is uh, massively problematic and in a couple of cases actually impossible i've had former students that have gone on to games design um will they send me any of the games for free because i taught them so well will they heck you know that that is that has happened to me so, oh, oh oh so and so is working for, for working for that oh that's great you know why don't you send me the newest no <laughs> that's that's one of the issues working working in vocational education as long as i did one of the issues is that you you always come across people who are doing things in your day-to-day -day life in shops and jobs and things you think oh okay hi how you doing do you remember me oh oh you know yeah and they're like oh yeah that's great tom you how are you getting on i was like fine you know um so uh, any any discount on the haircut no no absolutely not okay fair enough any any free games that you'd like to chuck no no absolutely not which is only fair enough their success is its own reward my student success is its own reward ladies and gentlemen yeah yeah but free things would be nice as well to be honest so if there's anybody out there who is a games designer or a previous student or just a games designer who would like me to have a look at their game send me send me free stuff guys i'm not saying that i run this podcast purely to try and get free stuff off people but you know i'm not saying i don't <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, especially if it's a ps5 send me a ps5 so um uh, just to sum up because we are kind of coming drawing to a close at this point in the show the gaming industry in this country is huge it's so huge that it possibly is the creative industry in this country therefore because of that and because of the importance of that large industry i think that perhaps there needs to be um, information about that in educational spheres i think that uh, game creation uh, possibly using some of the tools that were mentioned earlier on in the show, such as Scratch or such as, <clears throat> excuse me, um, or such as uh, Game Maker Studio 2, or even a visit to the video, National Video Game Museum would be hugely beneficial. Uh, but, and because what we've got is we've got um, an industry that brings in so many other different 
industries for its creation. Uh, English, maths, IT, uh, design, art, and so on and so forth. All these things, all these things, incredibly creative, incredibly creative, and creative in lots and lots of different ways. So as a gamer, I'm not afraid to admit it. I don't go for that kind of stereotype, nerdy gamer type deal. Nah, I'm cool. I'm so cool. <laughs> um, I think there's always a benefit when it comes to looking at current markets in education and looking at how we might suggest to our students that it is an option. I think that there are difficulties and there are some very controversial points in regards to gaming, such as communication, online communication and uh, in-game in-game purchasing and the fact that many of these games have addictive qualities. However, I don't think the games, uh, playing the games as an educational uh, resource itself is particularly beneficial, but looking at the games industry as an industry and looking at the people who are involved in it and the jobs that they do and how they do it and how they go about their day-to-day -day life, I think that is of a benefit. I think that there are some very specific games that actually break that mold when it comes to educational uh, gaming that might be okay to use in the classroom. Minecraft Edu is a is one of them. TT Rockstars is definitely another one of them. Uh, do not listen to the chat on Warzone or Call of Duty uh, because it will do nothing but make you depressed about the human race. But also try to understand that many uh, many of students, many many staff, and many people around the world use gaming as a safe space, uh, a space where their imagination can run wild, a space where they can be involved in narratives that are affecting and are about important um, topics. It's not just it's not just about bashing buttons, uh, but button bashing. Yeah, it's not just about button bashing. It's not just about KOing uh, in Street Fighter 2. It's not just about headshotting somebody. Um, uh, at their very best, games are stories well told. And I don't think that is necessarily any type of evil. And I think uh, many students benefit from having those kind of worlds brought into them. Um, having said that, that is, um, we were talking about the importance of limiting time, especially in games, and we're coming up to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for all the comments that have made on the chat. Um, uh, thank you very much, Tom, for sorting out my technical issues there. Uh, thank you very much for everybody who made a comment uh, via um, via Twitter. Uh, I'll try and have a read of that and get back to people who have left comments because it's only fair, it's only polite, and some of the stuff that you said is absolutely spot on. Um, I am not back until a couple of weeks, I think. So um, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this. Uh, if you're listening live, thank you very much for doing so. If you've downloaded this podcast, have a look at my other um uh, late show sessions um, where you can hear me drone on about various drone on. Ah, oh, look at that! That look at that for a segue. Drone on because of the news thing with the drone thing. Genius. Anyway, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and good night.